In this podcast, QUB Well, creating a wellbeing strategy for staff and students, Connor Curran, Head of Diversity and Inclusion Unit at Queen's University Belfast, explains how Queen's has successfully developed and implemented a wellness programme that can be accessed by students as well as staff. Connor is a qualified employment lawyer and HR professional with over 15 years experience of embedding effective DNI strategies in large complex organisations, having previously worked in the policing, justice and health sectors. In his current role as Head of Diversity and Inclusion, he has helped Queen's University Belfast develop a reputation as leader in equality, diversity and inclusion best practice both locally and nationally. A Russell Group University with a workforce of 4,500 staff and 27,000 students from almost 100 different countries, Queen's is also widely recognised as one of Northern Ireland's most diverse organisations. We're very diverse. 4,500 people work at Queen's um, with 27,000 students, uh, a lot of different nationalities from different countries around the world. And that in itself brings a number of challenges um, with different cultures, um, different, you know, it's a workplace setting, it's an educational setting with people of different ages, genders, staff and students with disabilities, caring responsibilities, and of course, mental health and physical well-being challenges. Throw into the mix everything that we've heard this morning from Billy and others about, you know, pre-COVID, mid-COVID, and hopefully emerging from COVID. Um, we're into a new world. And what I want to talk to you about is how we designed our strategy uh, how we shaped it, how we're still shaping it um, as a response to COVID. And hopefully you can take away some learning if you're looking to do something in your own organization. Um, if you go onto that web, download our strategy document, you can watch short videos from students and staff. They're about three minutes long. Um, I've told my own personal story up there about my own mental and physical health. And hopefully you can get some ideas for use uh, wherever you work. So this is going to take about 15, 20 minutes. We'll play the video at the end. And I'm totally OK if you want to screen grab and share parts of this presentation on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, etc. Um, I'll take questions at the end or later on in the panel session, whatever we can manage to get through. So let's have a um, what this presentation is going to entail. Broken it into three bits. Uh, how it started, what we've done, and where we go next. The where we go next is probably going to be really short because we're not quite sure where we're going next, but um, I can tell you how it started and I can tell you what we've done. So in 2018, so what's that, three, three years ago now, we were seeing a rise in both staff and students needing wellbeing support. Our figures for staff counselling um, were really showing us how significant an issue was. So this is pre-COVID. And for students, we were seeing year-on-year -year increases in the number of them coming forward with mental health challenges. Um, we also knew that there was a demand for training in mental health that we just weren't meeting in terms of our staff training offering. And we really needed to invest in mental health and to do more to upskill and prepare ourselves for meeting what was facing us. Um, when we looked around, we saw a number of other universities in the UK and Ireland who had developed student mental health strategies, but none of them had developed a joint strategy for their students and staff. And you can see in that purple uh, circle of the Venn diagram there, 
there was a particular need to support our staff who were supporting students. And what I mean by that is those staff who were dealing with students who had high degrees of stress, high degrees of anxiety, suicidal ideations, or in the very um, unfortunate circumstances where we actually had student suicides on campus, which um, unfortunately we've had a number of um, over the past few years. So um, we, we needed to do something that you know, met the needs of those cohorts. And when we looked around, hardly any universities seemed to be doing this. And pretty much none were harnessing the expertise and professional services out in the community. Um, so we came up with this joint framework, which would meet the needs of everyone, but also harness the needs of experts in the greater Belfast area. We're not experts. I'm, you know, I, I'm barely an expert in HR. Um, I'm certainly no expert in mental health. Um, but there were experts within our university who'd done research on it. And there was experts in health and social care um, who were linked to our university who could help us with it. So this is really quite a novel approach for universities. Um, and this, this presentation is really going to explain um, what we did next. I should, I should say that when, when we looked at mental health, we looked at this in the broadest sense of uh, the definition. Um, and as I say, on that spectrum of mental health, you have low levels of stress at one end, right up to very serious clinical conditions, which includes you know, schizophrenia, um, self-harm, suicidal ideations, and student, student suicides. So um, we wanted something quite simple to um, focus our minds on where we needed to make an impact. But we couldn't do anything without understanding what the issues were. We wanted this to be an evidence-led strategy. We wanted it to be impactful and we wanted it to be meaningful. Uh, at the bottom line is we wanted it to make a difference. So we conducted um, two surveys. You'll see one on the screen there says gaps and pressures analysis report, December, 2019. Um, we went out and surveyed uh, our student and staff bodies. Two and a half thousand students took the survey, so about 10% of our student body, and the findings were quite uh, surprising. 71% of our students said that their quality of life had been impacted by poor mental health. 67% said that their relationships had been impacted by poor mental health. 64% said that their studies had been impacted by poor mental health and 46% had seriously considered leaving the university because of poor mental health. When we asked them about academia and studying, 72% said that they struggled with deadlines, 70% said that they were already burnt out, and 44% struggled with the number of assessments. When it came to finance, which was a big area of worry for them, 45% worried about basic living expenses, 40% worried about long-term debt, and 49% felt that the university treated them like a customer. Um, when you layer on the fact that we were having approximately, we had approximately three and a half thousand students between 2016 and 2019 present to us with mental health conditions, this gave us a much clearer picture of where we could focus uh, our needs. When, you, when we looked further into the survey, we could also see that a lot of students were struggling with transitioning from being a teenager to adulthood, struggling with their independence, struggling with learning new skills, cooking, cleaning, paying the bills, managing their money, the pressure of exams, social media, 
bullying, shaming, living their best lives on Instagram, as they would say, uh, work-life balance, go, you know, partying, socializing. Um, there was a lot of stuff um, being put on to our young people at this age. It's a, it's a very challenging age. And when you layer on, I suppose, the pressure of mums and dads and parents and guardians paying significant amount of fees for their children to get good um, examination results, you can see how um, if there's any fragility there in terms of mental health, um, that will come out at university. We also identified that our, whilst some of our resources were okay in some places, we were really stretched in other places. We needed more staff, uh, trained staff to deal with a lot of these issues. Um, and we needed, to, we, we needed to do that quickly. So what did we do? Well, listen, we're all sick of roadmaps. You can't pick up the Irish Times or Belfast Telegraph or go online without seeing a COVID road, roadmap. Um, we designed a roadmap for our QUB Well strategy, and I'm not going to go into this in any detail at all, other than to say, you know, behind this, you know, there was a project manager, there was a very detailed Gantt chart, we knew exactly what our deliverables were, uh, we had a plan in place, and then COVID came and uh, basically destroyed what it is that we thought we were going to deliver. Um, so we had to be quite agile around March last year when we were all given the edict to work from home. Uh, we had a lot of activity planned for spring and summer 2020, which had to be uh, re reimagined because uh, essentially around three and a half thousand or four and a half thousand staff were, were then working from home. And a lot of our students were encouraged not to come onto campus, which again, you know, exacerbated a lot of the mental health stress and anxiety issues. But to cut a long story very short, um, before January 2019, a big, a, a big win for us and the team that worked on this was getting the investment from the university. Um, we got a £650,000 investment, including recurrent funding to make this work. Without that, none of this would have been possible. Um, the survey and everything else fed into our sort of approach. And we came up with um, four key things that we wanted to achieve. First and most important thing was that we wanted to destigmatize the negative perceptions towards mental health and to promote positive attitudes on campus. And that's largely what QUBWell is all about. Secondly, we wanted to provide staff and students with access to professional, timely and accessible advice information and professional support. Thirdly, we wanted to work with those community organizations um, to provide better education and training opportunities on campus. And then we wanted to act as a focal point for discussion of research, which all around mental health, which could in fact help shape government policy in this area. So it was quite an ambitious um, strategy program. Um, so I know you I know you want to know what we did. So um, in the first year, um, we, we've done quite a bit. Uh, we've managed to adapt. We've recruited new triage wellbeing staff. Um, we've got three new staff in. They manage the daily drop-in and growing demand of direct student support requests. So that's a building where students can go in, have coffee, safe environment, speak to a member of staff if they're struggling with their mental health. So we've got three dedicated triage staff and a bit like when you go to accident and emergency in a hospital, 
they will um, work through a mental health checklist to determine whether they need immediate, immediate referrals onto someone within the Belfast Trust. And you can see that's one of our pilot projects there on the screen where we've um, built a relationship with the Belfast Trust where we can actually order taxis and get our students seeing um, uh, medical healthcare professionals on the same day if we think they're at risk. So that's been really important and it's allowed our staff to be able to really respond proactively to issues that they're seeing. It's really popular and you know a lot of students who come up to the one-to-one -one service end up leaving you know within a few hours um, you know feeling a lot better for it. So um, we, we, we've reviewed our out of our service alongside that and we've also piloted things like CBT and, and done uh, further research um, in year one. This is kind of um, sat on top of, sorry, I think I've skipped the slide there. It's kind of sat on top of a lot of the activity um, which we you know, are still very mindful of um, promoting. So um, in this last year, what we've done is really focus on the activities that we can deliver remotely. So uh, for both our staff and our students, we've built in at lunchtimes, uh, yoga and Pilates classes, which are delivered by Queen's staff over uh, Zoom. Uh, we've got core exercise classes. We've got morning meditation classes uh, twice a week. They last about 30 minutes. All of this has got the approval of managers uh, within the workplace so that um, they can free their staff up to attend those and they've been really popular. Um, we've advertised What's On uh, on our website through our What's On calendars. We've, um, uh, we've delivered mental health first aid training to a lot of our staff. I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. Um, and we've come up with other, I suppose, other approaches that were kind of new to us, but agility has been the key and adapting and creating new ways of supporting our staff remotely has been absolutely critical, as has, I suppose, piggybacking on the big national campaigns, such as Mental Health Awareness Week and World Mental Health Day in October. And having men, having men turn up and um, be spokesperson, spokespeople for mental health, myself included. Um, when we looked at our staff data, we could see that a lot of our female colleagues were much more open in terms of talking about their mental health, stress, anxiety, depression, et cetera, but men weren't. So we've deliberately profiled uh, equal numbers of men and women in terms of our approach to this framework. Uh, skipping on to other things that we've done through 2021, we've introduced Wellbeing Wednesdays at Queen's, whereby we've agreed that from two o'clock to five o'clock on a Wednesday, there should be no um, Microsoft Teams or Zoom calls, and that's down to local managers to enforce. Uh, we've listened to our staff who've told us that they've been completely burnt out by the always on. Uh, I think Jennifer mentioned this earlier, the always on and the right to disconnect. And we've taken the step of bringing in Wellbeing Wednesdays, whereby people can just clear the decks and use that afternoon to do what they need to do to catch up on work or to take the dog out for a walk or just to get away from screens. Um, a lot of this is easier said than done, which was the name of our uh, student engagement campaign this year, which has been uh, really successful. And we've used that social media campaign to really support a lot of our uh, medical uh, students our nursing students and our health and social care students who are key workers and have been working on the front line 
And as part of our mental health approach to this year, we've um, donated care packs and pizza drops, thank you cards to all of our students working across all of our health trusts on the front line of dealing with COVID. Again, just to let them know that we care and that there are people within Queen's should they want to talk to anyone about their mental health because they are the ones who are seeing and dealing with COVID on the front line. As I said, we've invested a lot in mental health first aid training. That was a key commitment of the QUB Well um, uh, strategy. Um, the training was really is designed to provide staff with, um, I suppose, the confidence to recognize the poor signs of mental health and empower them to help students and staff. A lot of our staff are saying they were almost too embarrassed to talk to colleagues about mental health. And even if they did, they wouldn't know what to say. So this mental health first aid training, which is delivered again, not by Queen's staff, but by Action Mental Health has been fantastic. Um, we've engaged them, contracted them to deliver 10 sessions in 1920. And we've been able actually to uh, train, formally train 60 mental health first aiders now at Queen's University, which is great. And the feedback on our sessions has been amazing. Like on both of them, you know, 100% said that they agreed that attending the training made them more likely to offer initial support to someone experiencing a mental health problem. And 100% of participants agreed or strongly agreed that it helped them recognize the signs of someone who may be at risk of harming themselves or others. And for us, you know, that, that's money well spent um, in terms of, um, you know, upskilling our staff. Um, we've been also really pleased with the engagement on different platforms through social media uh, during COVID-19 of our students as well. We've had to shift and be agile in terms of what we offer. We've engaged with people like Professor Jerry Gormley, who's, who's spoken to our staff and our students about better sleeping patterns, about um, switching off social media, um, behavioural steps that we can take to sort of uh, feel better about um, you know our, the days ahead, the weeks ahead, the deadlines that we've got. We held 10 events focused on parenting and caring in a pandemic and again that was all about advice on how to deal with homeschooling, kids at home, juggling workload etc. We held a panel event called Being Kind Online which explored the impact that social media can have on mental health and well-being and give people resources to support good behaviours online. And again, we've partnered with others out in the community um, to help bring in that expertise. And that's in addition to all the other stuff we've done about, you know, virtual choirs and, and you know, uh, cook, at, cook at home sessions and, and a lot of the stuff that you would expect to see uh, delivered by some employers. I've put some slides in there about the number of staff who've attended training, which has all been great, and about, you know, stuff that um, we're continuing to invest in. Um, you can read that at your own leisure when, whenever you download the pack because I'm conscious that you might have some questions about it. But what I re re really want to focus on is, I suppose, is QUBL. Um, so this launched um, just in March 21 on University Mental Health Day. Huge focus on communication, engagement and inclusion. Um, we can't destigmatize mental health if we don't communicate and engage with our staff and our students. And um, we're keeping a very close eye on our metrics to see how, how impactful and how well it's working. Um, as part of this program, there's been four strands. Um, so there's launch of the QUB Well, launch of more specific events tailored to our staff and students, um, shining a light on staff and students' stories around mental health. And we're going to play a video about some uh, showing some of those stories in a minute, but also creating um, 
the website which I, I've shared with you so that students can access support and information on their phones, on their devices, on their surfaces, um, whenever they need it. Um, it's based upon the five pillars of well-being. Um, so, you know, we've got a sound rationale behind what we've done and we've demystified a lot of what it is to talk about mental health. Down in the bottom right hand side there, you can see me in the red jacket running through Botanic Park. For me, running is a huge part of uh, ensuring I maintain a healthy balance between my physical well-being and my mental well-being. And I've told my story on our website, as have these other colleagues and student um, friends of mine. So um, I would encourage you to, you know, think about whether that's something that your your organization could do and whether that could lead to greater engagement and a reduced um, stigmatization about telling your story. Um, we've profiled a lot of our leading academics whose stories were really unknown to us before we went out and we've been blown away by their honesty and um, the candid nature um, but of, of which they've spoken about their own mental health. But we realize that we've also a lot to do. Um, and, you know, we know that students engage on their phones. They, you know, they're on their phones for hours a day. So we've uh, decided to invest a significant pot of money in developing an e-learning package, which is going to be, I suppose, tailored and skinned to Queen's University, featuring, featuring Queen's University staff, featuring Queen's University students, featuring our policies. And hopefully that will make, again, a bit of a difference to the engagement on this topic. Um, we don't know whether any of this is going to work. You know, all of it is sort of based upon empirical research that we've carried out, speaking to the experts, but monitoring and evaluating this is going to be absolutely critical to understanding whether we're getting a return on investment. In some ways, it's easy to put on events and, you know, to encourage people to take part in Couch to 5Ks, and that's very important, that link between physical and mental health. But what the university needs to see is a return on investment and an improvement in the metrics that we've set down for ourselves. Just finally, um, this is an example of some of the events that we um, ran. Um, between Monday the 1st and Friday the 5th of March 2021 and we had 45 events uh, during the week for students and staff and we wanted to really focus on you know positive behaviours. We had a, I don't know if anyone from Northern Ireland is aware of Shane Todd but he did um, a comedy night for us which was absolutely brilliant. You know we again were engaging with social media influencers to talk about good and bad habits um, we did uh, cook-alongs for students, um, particularly our international students who were bringing cuisines from around the world on the remote platforms, which is just brilliant to see. And again, all of this has been to try and engage people on the topic of positive mental health and well-being. But I think it's better that you hear it from them um, rather than me. At Queen's, we know how difficult the past year has been for our students and for our staff. Today, we wanted to empower those people and give them a chance to have their voices heard and their stories amplified. I first started struggling with my mental health when I was about 12 years old. I was experiencing panic attacks, I was self-harming, and at my lowest point, I was suicidal. You know, I had a few racial slurs thrown at me there and then, um, but I was kind of strong-willed as well, so I didn't allow it to affect me too much, even though it did. When I first thought that I could be 
day. Um, I was terrified. I thought that my whole life was over. The first time I really came across any kind of mental health challenges in my life were um, after I'd been married for a number of years and we started to try for a family and we had real problems conceiving. It's important that we talk about student mental health on campus because it's something that affects all of us. I think young people can bring a real hope. They have a crucial role to destigmatize um, mental health. No matter how bad things seem, no matter how much you feel like things aren't going to get better, they always do. Actually, often if I'm having a challenging day at work, I'll look back and think, hang on, I got through that, I can get through this. Queen's is a really diverse campus, but we need to make sure that students from all backgrounds have their voices heard. I think the future of mental health is a world of toleration, where young people are supporting each other, they're bringing hope into each other's lives, and they're just showing compassion and kindness. Things like the outdoors it can be a really useful tool for people to, you know, be out by themselves, um, spending time reflecting, just being cold, you know, those small things can make a huge difference to bring people back to the now, to make people focus on who they are, you know, and um, on the importance of grounding themselves into their family and friends and those things, you know, and it's one small part of, um, or can be one small part of uh, a very complex issue. So there's such a massive wide range of support services at Queen's. There's people who you can relate to, who you can share your story with. And it becomes like a hundred times easier once you've reached out to one other person. It's really important, uh, I think in my opinion, that staff feel empowered to share how they're feeling and feel they've got a safe and secure environment where there is someone within the organisation or even outside of the organisation if they choose to, that they can talk to and open up about the things that they're struggling with. I think it's really important that we're able to open up and address the challenges we're facing because that's an important part of moving forward and uh, if you like starting to feel feel well again. Together we want to address the root causes that lead to poor mental health and well-being and ultimately create a whole university approach to support and compassion. Join us on our conversation and together we're empowering each other to be well. this podcast check out legal islands range of mental health and well-being e-learning training courses for all your employees providing all employees with mental health and well-being training during employment or shortly after starting their employment and with regular refreshers updates throughout this time can not only provide a productive but a safe workplace for everyone visit www.legal-island.ie forward slash well-being for more information or you can find the link in the description below